The, Lo the Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of Christ. Here where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. May we pray, O God, from whom all good proceeds, grant that by your inspiration we may think those things that are right, and by your merciful guiding may do them, 
through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, please be seated. Each year, from late May to early September, many from our community of faith are away from Boston. However, over the last several years, we have continued to provide our regular worship service with choir, sermon, and liturgy every Sunday all summer and broadcast on WBUR. The support and growth of our resident congregation have made this possible. If you are visiting here this summer or listening for the first time, we are delighted to have you with us and hope you will come back soon. Chief among our motivations for so gathering is the chance together to pause in the presence of God and to lift our prayers, collective and individual, in silence, our prayers of confession, seeking and being assured of the grace of God in pardon and forgiveness. God is a pardoning God, said John Wesley. As our choir sings for us the traditional Kyrie, may we pray in silence. Well, beloved, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. Hear the good news if we confess our sins. God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Galatians, chapter 1 verses 11 through 24. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. You have heard, no doubt, of my earlier life in Jerusalem and in Judaism. I was violently persecuting the Church of God and was trying to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who had set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles. I did not confer with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were already apostles before me, but I went away at once into Arabia, and afterwards I returned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other apostle except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you, before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown by sight 
to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard it said, the one who was formerly was persecuting us is now proclaiming the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 146 with the antiphon. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes, 
in mortals in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Let us stand as we are able for the, re the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. Glory to you, O Lord. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people, to give eternal life to all who you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom I have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. 
High atop all of the world's literature, there sits our holy scripture. Such knowledge is too wonderful for us. It is high. We cannot attain it. Therein there are conjoined the two sibling testaments, the older and the newer, the Hebrew scripture and the Christian writings. The writings 27 there are of the New Testament stand just a little bit higher for us in this hour, in this setting. You love all of the scripture. You love devotional daily reading, and so you love the gospels and the letters and the apocalyptic writings. The gospels stand up just a little bit more prominently, both in our hearts and in our liturgy. And within those, the four, three synoptic, they see together, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, known from antiquity as the sublime, the spiritual gospel. And now here we hear in John these verses from the 17th chapter. These chapters, verses, chapters 14 through 17, above the seven miracles behind and above the passion and resurrection afterward, stand as the strangest moonscape in all of scripture and so all of literature and so all of life. They are the very pinnacle and we place our homiletical flag this morning for just a few minutes at the precipice, Mount Marcy, Mount Everest, Pikes Peak, Mount Washington, the very peak. This is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Your participation in this sermon is invited and even required today. Think for a moment about your greatest disappointment, your harshest dislocation, your fiercest departure. And hear the gospel, the gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 3. Freedom is found in disappointment, grace is found in dislocation, and love is found in departure. The community of the beloved disciple that produced these wondrous passages knew about disappointment, theological disappointment the end of the first century, where others demurred, John looked at the past seven decades and realized that the earliest Christian hope, the treasure, the pearl of great price of primitive Christianity, was not, was no longer true. The earliest Christians following the resurrection had expected and had hoped that Jesus would return soon and very soon in their lifetime. So Paul in 1 Thessalonians, the Lord himself will descend with a cry of command, the archangels call, the sound of the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we the living, the remaining, shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. So Mark chapter 9, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. John looked and saw and said, what we once believed is not true. A harrowing disappointment. And in the heart of that disappointment found John real freedom. And in place of Armageddon, he taught about the artistry of the everyday. And in place of speculation about the end time, he taught about the presence of the Spirit. And in the place of parousia, the coming of the Lord, he taught about the paraclete. He found freedom, not later, not in reflection, but right in the marrow of disappointment. We have our own disappointments today. We're living through a farewell to a certain kind of God, a certain junior God, if you will. Oh, we trust with the church that God reigns, the church of all ages, but we also know the verse, he is risen, he is not here. See the place where they laid him. The community of the beloved disciple also knew grace right in the heart of dislocation. They had been given, see chapters 9, 12, and 16, the bums rush, the heave ho, they had been thrown out of the synagogue. We have a word that's not found in Greek before those passages, aposynagogos, out of the synagogue. They had been given the exit from their mother tongue, their motherland, 
had become, moved from being Christian Jews to becoming Jewish Christians. They'd left home. They had to. They were charged with blasphemy, die-theism, and they left the comfort of the known for the terrifying newness of the church as it grew and moved. And what did they find in dislocation? Unutterable grace. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of heaven. I am the gate. Grace there in dislocation. We have our dislocations in the church. Think of them, the body of the church. We have our dislocations in this city. Think of the last several weeks and months. In dislocation promises the gospel, you shall find and know true grace. The community of the beloved disciple found love in departure. Isn't it strange that the most beautiful sentences about love anywhere are found in the shadow of the departure of the crucified Christ and more so for this gospel and this verse in the shadow of the departure of the aged, venerable teacher of the community, he whose witness is true, perhaps the beloved disciple, maybe John, whoever it was who developed the homilies that became the fourth gospel. In that departure, not later, but right then, this community experienced a root a radical kind of love. We know about departure, said Bonhoeffer. No one can take the place, fill the absence of someone whom we love. They are in departure. They knew the love of Christ, the love of God in full. But how did they get there? How did this verse emerge here at the pinnacle of the writing of John and all? They found their way by daring to see differently, think differently, and speak differently, to be the community of the embraceable variant, as Raymond Brown called this gospel. Don't lead a life that's almost your own. Don't lead a life that someone hopes you might live when it isn't yours. You beloved, different soul, you, you embraceable variant, you. If you're a redhead, live as a redhead. Maybe by analogy we can speak. In our family of origin, we have four siblings, three brunettes, Bob, Kathy, Cynthia, and one redhead, aptly named for this sermon, John. Now the brunettes, beginning with the oldest, can't you tell, lorded it over the redhead for many years and decades, plink, 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 and plunk. We the majority, he the minority. We the condition, he the conditioned. We the synoptics. Matthew, Mark, Luke with our shared stories. Galilee to the north, Jerusalem to the south. Sermons and parables and all. The majority party and then, you know, the red-headed oddball. Until... Once we went to a, an extended family reunion, as some of you do in the summer. This is near Cooperstown, and the farm there has been in the family since before George Washington wore long pants or rode a horse a long time. We gather for a bit of a day. We have a little repast, you know, just a small meal, like beef and chicken and turkey and ham and sausage and, and some potatoes, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, french fries, salt potatoes, and some vegetables, three bean salad, two bean salad, one bean salad, beans. Then, oh, just a tiny dessert, apple pie, pumpkin pie, cherry pie, mince pie, pecan pie, then a little ice cream, you know, homemade, vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, maple, walnut, and then afterward, those who can still move, a certain percentage of the gathered 90, will then move to the porch, the veranda. And there we are. I'll show you a photograph for a minute. Well, I don't have an actual one. We're still in a recession, but you can see it well enough. There we are, all 80 of us. There are the three brunettes, the synoptics, Bob, Kathy, Cynthia, 
Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and there's John, the oddball redhead, except all around him there are 75 other redheads. John is in his natural habitat. He's home with his extended family. Here he is. He's not the oddball. We are. When you put the Gospel of John in his extended family on the the front porch of the veranda of his time, John is just like all these other Neoplatonist Greek Gnostic documents like the Tripartite Tractate, the Paraphrase of Shem, the Apocryphon of John, the Treatise on the Resurrection, all redheads. And here he is. That is, this verse speaks a different language. Listen to the six differences. This is eternal life, said the redhead, the brunettes would say, kingdom of heaven. That they may know thee, said the redhead, the brunettes would say, faith, trust, believe. The only true God, what a strange verse. How many gods are there? The brunettes would have said, Abba. And Jesus Christ, the brunettes would have said, rabbi or master or teacher. Whom thou hast sent, concludes the redhead, and the brunettes would have said, begotten and born. John speaks the gospel in a new language, borrowed, plundered from the culture around him. He fears not the truth, and he fears not to express the truth, even in language apart from the tradition he has inherited. He has the courage to think anew, to act anew, and to speak anew, and so, quoting again our beloved Raymond Brown, to become a part of that community which is meant to embody all who are embraceable variants. You beloved snowflake, you. Do not be tempted to live a life that's 90% your own. This is the only you the universe has ever seen or will in the history of history. The Gospel of John finds freedom where you would least expect it, right in the tragic hurt of disappointment. You know, there's a whiskered story of a man who attended a Methodist church, a poor man who didn't have Sunday clothes, and the Methodist women's group decided to provide him a blue suit and a red tie. This was the charitable act for the week of the Lillian Circle. And they bought it and they gave it to him and he was so grateful, but they never saw him again. And one day the secretary treasurer found him on the street and said, we haven't seen you, John, where have you been? Didn't you like the suit, didn't it fit? And he said, oh no, I took it home. The next Sunday I got up early, I put that beautiful blue suit on and I looked in the mirror and I thought, John, you look great. I put on that red tie and I looked in the mirror and I thought, John, you are dressed to the nines. I began to leave and I thought, John, you look so good. You look too good to go to a Methodist church. You ought to go to the Episcopal church and that's where I've been ever since. In other words, their disappointment and his freedom have a little bit of a relationship. Twelve years ago, we sat at a beautifully prepared presented meal in a lovely home, five, six couples, and an hors d'oeuvre and a meal and a wonderful robust conversation and an argument. That happens, wonderful warmth among friends. It was about whether the Empire State should allow people of same sex to marry one another, and the points of view were divergent, and the dessert was on the way, and Carol spoke very quietly. She had been married 20 years, had had cancer five years earlier, and had survived. We didn't know it that night, but eight months later it recurred and took her. But she said very quietly, you know all the disappointments I've seen in my life. She said, my marriage to Doug is what has sustained me and freed me to live in the way we have. I would be the last person on earth to stand in the way of another who could receive such happiness. Sometimes we have to account for our disappointments before we can know our freedom. That's why Pastor Nack could never get off stage that great Russian poet until he had recited the full length of his favorite Shakespeare's 66th sonnet in his own translation, all about disappointment until the very last verse. 
Tired with all of these, for restful death I cry, as to behold desert a beggar born, and needy nothing trimmed in jollity, and purest faith unhappily forsworn, and gilded honor shamefully misplaced, and maiden virtue rudely strumpeted, and right perfection wrongfully disgraced, and strength by limping sway dislodged, and art made tongue-tied by authority, and folly doctor-like controlling skill, and simple truth miscalled simplicity, and captive good attending captain ill. Tired with all of these, from these would I be gone, save that to die I leave my love alone. Can you hear that? It begs to be heard. John found freedom in disappointment. The community of the beloved disciple found grace in dislocation, not later, but right there in the grace of the dislocation itself. We in our churches are experiencing massive bodily loss, largely because our pulpits are filled 511 out of 930 in my home area by well-intentioned but untrained, not fully educated, not completely supervised, unprepared pastors and preachers. In what other range of reality would we accept and receive such as a blessing? No. Lyle Schaller was right when he said a generation ago these denominations will accept 2 to 3 percent decline every year in exchange for the tacit agreement that there be no significant change. John caused the church to think and act and speak in a new way, to change, to become spiritually itinerant. New occasions teach new duties. Time makes ancient good uncouth. One must upward, still and onward, who would keep abreast of truth. Sometimes you need to make a choice to move in a different direction. So I bear witness that the grace in dislocation in my life has given me everything lastingly good. My name in baptism, faith in confirmation, community in Eucharist, work and job, vocation in ordination, friendship and love and marriage, daily sustenance and pardon as we began today, and a hope for eternal life in the unction of the spirit and of the word and of the church. But you sometimes need to take a different road. So our doer New England poet Frost reminded us, two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair, though having perhaps a better claim, for it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the parting there had warned them both about the same. And both that morning equally lay, and leaves no step had trod in black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever get back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Don't lead a life that's almost your own. Don't lead a life that's 90% your own. You, em, you embraceable variant, you. The gospel of the community in the community of John also knew love in departure. We have reason to recall the letter of James, be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, keeping some, seeking someone to devour. We are a community grounded in love, as the first letter of John amended the gospel. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and one who loves is born of God and knows God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest, that God sent God's only son. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God's love abides in us and is made whole in us. 
You know in departure we know the keen, piercing power of love. When you have had to say goodbye in a final, that is, earthly final sense to someone you dearly love, you know it beyond the capacity of words to speak. When we memorialized the life of Lu Lingxi on April 29th, after an hour and more of word and music, 1,500 present in the GSU and thousands of others around the globe, there was a pause. And in front, there the family who had traveled from China were murmuring. I could see, I couldn't understand. 18 murmuring back and forth. I wondered as host, did we forget a name? Did we mispronounce? Did someone not play? What, what's wrong? And then all of a sudden at the very end, together, quietly, all 18 stood as one turned and faced the gathered community and from the waist ceremoniously bowed in full. I have not heard or seen a liturgic, liturgical moment prior and probably never will that so marks the keen, piercing power of love known especially in departure. Beloved, the presence of God is with us to make us loving people. Shall we receive? Will we receive the embrace that makes of all of us in our varieties a beloved community? Howard Thurman stood in this pulpit 50 years and more ago and said, and with this we find our exit. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest when I sit down and when I rise up. Thou discernest my thoughts from afar. Thou searchest out my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou dost beset me behind and before and layest thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Whither shall I go from thy presence? Whither shall I flee from thy spirit? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and travel to the uttermost parts of the sea, even there thy hand shall lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, let only the darkness cover me, and the light about me be as night. Even the darkness is not dark to thee. The night is as bright as the day, or darkness is as light with thee. Sursum corda, lift up your hearts. In the marrow of disappointment, you find a clue to freedom. In the heart of dislocation, you find a signpost to grace. In the hurt of departure, you find the way of love. For that is the gospel. John chapter 17, verse 3, the very pinnacle of the Spirit. And this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Amen.
seated. <coughs> the Apostle Paul noted we should devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So let us come personally and collectively to prayer, standing, sitting, kneeling, or however the Spirit moves you. The call to prayer is hymn 473, Lead Me, Lord. Heavenly Father, as a people of faith, we bow before you with praise and thanksgiving. Joyfully, we worship you and adore you. For unlike any person or thing of this world, you do not grow tired or weary. You are always there for us. We acknowledge you as the only true God, worthy of all glory, honor, and power. We offer our thanks to you for creating, sustaining, and protecting us. Forgive us, for we have lapsed in our responsibility to sustain and protect your creation. We thank you for deliverance from evil. In the midst of the overwhelming indifference, vitriol, cruelty, and violence in the world today, as a people of faith, we turn our focus to you. Give us eyes to see and this discernment to recognize the evil around us. Give us the voice to speak out and the courage and will to take action against it. We confess that we have not always let love guide our thoughts and actions. We are sometimes quick to take a worldly perspective. Forgive us and heal us, merciful God. We rededicate ourselves to you today and offer our hearts for the spirit of truth to live with us and be in us. Father of compassion and God of all comfort, we pray for those who have been affected by tornadoes, earthquakes, or wildfires. Comfort them, Lord, and give them the strength to persevere. We pray for the grief-stricken, the sick, and the oppressed. Comfort them, Lord, and give them the strength to endure. Help us to comfort others with comfort we ourselves have received from you. We know that you are faithful in all of your promises and loving to all of your creation. Hear our prayers, for we offer them with the faith that you who are near to all, who call on you in truth. We pray these things in the name of the Holy One, sent by the only true God. Amen. And now we pray together the prayer from our Lord Christ. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave on this fine Sunday morning. We invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and your contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better, better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We do know that, note that next Sunday, June 16th, uh, at 9.45 a.m. prior to the service, we do have a Father's Day brunch downstairs in the Marsh Room. All are welcome to attend to help celebrate Father's Day. Also, the full schedule of our Summer Preacher Series is available in the back of your bulletin and on the Marsh Chapel website, bu.edu chapel, along with the opportunity for online giving. As the choir uh, sings the offertory this morning, uh, Almighty and Everlasting God, by Orlando Gibbons, the ushers wait upon us. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God. We give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be. All that we have is thine alone, a trust, O God, from thee. Bless and multiply these gifts, O God, we pray, that the giving may become receiving, and the receiving may become giving, that each unique part of creation may flourish in the name of Jesus Christ and in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen.